one a loving, present God. In these moments, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together in this room be found pleasing in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, we're spending this season leading up to Christmas this year moving through our story, our big story, the grand meta-narrative that we own in Scripture. And if you'll remember that last week we uh, remembered that these lives we happen to be living down here are in fact part of a cosmic drama and that all our individual stories are gathered into a much larger story. Last Sunday, we began this drama by taking a peek at the final scene, because if we know how the story ends, we learn about a great deal about how to live our part in the drama in the meantime. And what we find in the pages of Scripture is that the end, though still full of mystery for us, will somehow resemble Jesus, the Christ. A day is coming when everything that's so horribly off balance down here will somehow be made right. And so we long for that day. And so having taken a look at the finale, the last page of the drama, today we're ready to go back to the beginning for Act One. The beloved preacher Fred Craddock told about the time that his grandchildren took him to see Star Wars, Episode One, The Phantom Menace. This movie came out almost 20 years ago. The original came out much longer ago than that. But episode one came out and generated considerable buzz among Star Wars fans around the planet. You've got to see this one, Grandpa, they said to him. And Fred said, okay, but he had never seen any of the Star Wars movies before and he didn't want to appear ignorant, so he asked around a little before going. And so by the time he got to the movie, he knew there was this character called Luke Skywalker, and that's about all he had. Um, they went to this jam-packed theater, and the air was absolutely electric. If you've ever been to a Star Wars premiere, it's the fans come out, and, and the movie starts, and in just a few minutes, there's all this applause, which surprises Fred because the movie has barely begun. Why are people clapping, he says. Because those two are Jedi, his, grandpa, his grandson whispers. Well, of course, says Fred, though he has no earthly idea what a Jedi is. And as the movie goes on, it becomes increasingly clear to Fred Craddock that he is lost in this plot. And so he asks his grandson, when is Luke Skywalker going to come in? He hasn't been born yet, the boy says. But I've heard so much about him, said, said Fred. He said, I've heard that he's a good guy, this Luke Skywalker. And the grandson says, well, episodes four, five, and six came out, and now we're having one, two, and three. And Fred says, that's why everybody here knows so much. And the boy says, yeah, Grandpa, everybody knows that. We have those movies at home if you want to watch them. And Fred says, well, that's rather strange, having episode one uh, after you've had four, five, and six. And his grandson says, uh, Gramps, this is a prequel. 
a prequel. It's before the others. And immediately, Fred felt perfectly at home. Because, as he said later, that's the way it is in the Bible. You know the end before the beginning. And the resurrection shines back through every story, including the birth story of Jesus. And so Fred sat there in that darkened theater thinking to himself, hey, I'm into this. I know the sequel. Well, friends, this morning all over the globe, people are reading scripture and worshiping God and singing carols about Christ. That's our sequel. Our Bible text today and next Sunday serve as the prequel, act one in the cosmic drama. The curtain rises, and guess what? The stage is bare. There's nothing, nothing at all. In the beginning, there wasn't anything but God, which is odd to us because the ground beneath our feet feels like it's been here forever but it didn't used to be. Now, that particular claim, the claim I just made, the claim that scripture makes, suggests a question, a perfectly legitimate question. The question is this, why is there anything? Why is there still nothing at all? Why are we? Why is there something instead of nothing? And when you look at all that surrounds us, it's right to ask why. But it's a mystery. We don't know the answer to the question, why? Scripture doesn't say why. Scripture says who. Scripture says who. The Bible shows us a creator God who for sheer delight and desire and love wanted all of this to be and so God just did it. Let there be light. And all the lights slammed on. And God said, oh, good, good. And then God said, let there be sky. Let there be earth and land and water. And, and it was here. And God said, good. Now, let there be plants. Let there be daisies and sequoias and crepe myrtles. And here it was. And again, God said, good. Now let there be salmon and shrimp and beluga whales. Let there be woodpeckers and hummingbirds and, and gazelles. And the world was just jumping up and down with life and life and more life. And God looked at it. And God, who had dreamed it all and loved it all, looked at it all and said, oh, this is good. Now, you know this isn't science. This isn't meant to be a scientific description. It's good and necessary to ask scientific questions about the processes by which this universe was made, but this is not a how statement. This is about who and this is about why. And the answer we hear swirling out of the mystery is this. A creator God who wanted all of this to be and who saw it all as good. But apparently, not good enough. Not yet. Because God went on to say, 
Let us now make a creature in our own image, after our own likeness, and let us give them dominion over my world. And so God created the human being. God created us in in God's very own image and likeness. And then God stepped back and looked what had been made and said, this is really good. Oh, oh, I like this a lot. Friends, that is the first ultimate word about you and me. And the word is good. God looked on us humans with no regrets and no plans to change us. God accepted us as we are. And God said, that's good. That's my face. That's my image, said God. And it's good. Now, there's another word about us out of Eden, isn't there? It's a tragic and terrible word. It's a heartbreaking word about you and me. We're going to say that word next Sunday. Heaven knows we hear that word in a thousand ways every day of our lives. But that word is not the main word because it's not the first word. The first word was God's word, and that word was good. You are made good. And for all that that second word has done in and to and through us, God's first word still stands. You are made good. Oh, but we we do live under that second word, don't we? And we keep shoving each other under the heaviness of that word, so much so that we need to go back now and relearn how to call each other sacred And to remember that it was God's good pleasure to call us that first. You are sacred. You're sacred. Which means we have no business putting down what it means to be human. Do you ever listen to how we talk about ourselves? I'm going to refer again to Fred Craddock who had some things to say about this. He said... The shortstop plays a great season all season long, but now he drops the ball, commits an error, and what does he say? What do you expect? I'm only human. Grandma bakes the best cakes in the whole world, always light and delicious and moist, but one day she pulls the cake out of the oven. It looks like a brick. It tastes like a brick. Everybody's a little shocked. And she just laughs and says, well, that just goes to show you. I'm only human. We even have sayings to this effect. You know, to err is human. To forgive is divine. But Fred pointed out that when God made the human, God shaped us toward the divine. And so it's entirely possible that God would say, you know, to forgive is human too. Because my face, my face is a forgiving face and you are wearing my face in the flesh. And so Craddock proposed that we change how we talk. Grandma, next time you bake a great cake and everybody says, great cake, Grandma, why don't you just say, what did you expect? I'm human. Great play, shortstop. Well, thanks, I'm human. Kid, I'm so proud of the grades you made in school. You must be a human. 
You know, according to Genesis 1 and 2, to be human means to be creative, loving, gifted, free. That means that God's own face is in our clay. And so when we get together for worship, when we gather in small groups, when we're serving side by side with one another, we are learning all over again how to see each other as God sees us. We're learning to see in each other's faces, even and especially in the faces of people who infuriate us and make us crazy, to see in them the imago dei, the image of God put there by God. On whose face is it hardest for you to acknowledge the image of God? Politicians? The poor, the rich, Democrats, Republicans, bigots, the politically correct, refugees at the border. Friends, we have a deep and urgent need these days to learn again how to see one another as sacred, every human life as sacred. It's so easy for us to forget. There's so much mess in and on all of us that we lose sight of God's image in these faces, but not God. God, with, with, with staggering compassion, still sees it. And with a never give up on you no matter what kind of love, keeps calling us to remember who we are. Someone said this is actually the whole meaning of scripture from the first page to the last. Scripture, this person said, is God's long passionate cry for us to remember who we are. God is not forgotten. And that's why one day when it became clear that we would never see it and that because of our not seeing would die, God did us one better and simply made another new beginning. Came to an ordinary girl living an ordinary life. And just as God did in the first chapters of Genesis, when the first word spoken was blessing, in just that way, when God in the first chapter of the gospel came to this girl, the first word, did you remember? Blessed are you favored one and just as in the beginning the spirit of God hovered on the face of the deep so the spirit of God hovered over the life of this young girl and where there was no life in her God created out of nothing the beginnings of a new human life perfectly good a life to wear God's own face in our midst and to show us our face again because in him we see our truest selves. And so brothers and sisters, this is the invitation today to listen to him and look to him and wait for him in this season and in every season and to follow him out of Bethlehem and into the world. And in doing so, we'll find reasons to say of ourselves and our neighbors and of the whole creation, it is good. It's very, very good. 
And so good, good and gracious God, who made us and who came in Christ to remake us and who one day will bring us to good completion, give us hearts to receive the new beginning in us. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. Well, brothers and sisters, in this moment, as you let yourself sink down into stillness and silence, as we do at this time in the service, I simply invite you to repeat this claim in your heart again and again. I am made in God's image, and I am made good. Hear our prayer, O Lord. Amen. <clears throat> 